And with that, let's get started. So hello, welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin, and this is my co-host, Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today uh, we're talking about the movie The Santa Claus, but before we get started, we're going to listen to some listener voicemails. We got two of them, uh, and we're going to, like we say, we always, we always, always, always play the voicemails that you guys leave for us uh, yes. at our phone number, 833-600-2428. Yes, that's 833-600-CHAT. Call us anytime, and just like we're about to do, we play them all on the on the air. That's right, and here we go. Here's our first uh, voicemail. Hey, Apple Chat. This is Gabriel. I just finished listening to the Honey Guide episode. Fantastic! Oh my gosh. Quality content, and I promise I listened to the whole thing. I had a drive a lot this weekend for work, and it was awful. But it was much better listening to Affable Chat. Great stuff, guys. Keep it up. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for thanks for that message, Gabriel, and thanks for letting us know that you enjoyed the Honey Guide episode. They were great, just amazing guests. I think Gabriel qualifies as what, is, what do they call it on the on the radio like a P one, you know, like someone who calls into the station all the time, <laughs> like a contributor. Yeah, like. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, really, it was really cool uh, getting to interview Honey Guide, and um, we're looking to do more c- content like that, getting interesting people on to talk and just uh, have those kind of conversations, and maybe even have Honey Guide on again. Who knows? But yeah, okay. that was great. I really liked uh, listening to that. Now let's move on to our second voicemail, and here it is. Hello. It's me, Anun Baumsteiger, the famous comedian. I'm just calling to say, hello. How are you doing? Great. I love your podcast. I love your movies you review. Maybe someday I could come on the show, and maybe you can interview me, Anun Baumsteiger, the famous comedian. Anyway, have a great day. Hasta la vista, baby. I said that in the movie once. All right. So <laughs> a, phone, a, a, a voicemail from the famous comedian Arnold Braunschweiger. I've never heard of him. I have heard of him. Uh, this is a character. I, I, I'm not even sure what movie it's from. And I'm not even <laughs> sure if Arnold Braunschweiger is a real person in that movie because there's this video that my brother and i and all our friends we used to watch in our uh we were teenagers it was like i think it's the best 163 arnold schwarzenegger quotes Mm. it's some specific number and it's just all these hilarious quotes together and one of them is he's like i'm the famous comedian arnold braunschweiger and I have no idea what movie it's from, but it was something that we quoted ad nauseum. Uh, we could find out up. right now. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Who is who is I'm Arnold Brown? Famous comedian. Is that what he said? There yes. it is. That's all I had to say. <laughs> and it's already going up. <laughs> uh, I think this is from Last Action Hero. Yep. Last Action Hero. Is that his character or is that a like a moniker? Here, let me see of... what this clip says. AKA. You think you're funny, don't you? No, that's not his name. That's just a that's just a one-off joke. Okay, okay. He says we would the, love to interview Arnold Schwarzenegger on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, 
Well, thanks. Um, thank you for calling in, Arnold Brownstringer. Yes, we uh, we enjoy it. and see, and this is just further proof to our audience here that if you leave us a message, you'll hear it on an upcoming episode. What's that no number doubt. again? That is eight three three six hundred two four two eight. That's right, eight three three six hundred. Chat, chat. That's right. Okay, now let's talk about the movie that we're reviewing this week, and that is the Santa Claus. Did you or did you not read the card? Yeah, I read the card. Then you're the new Santa. In putting on the hat and jacket, you accepted the contract. What contract? The card in the Santa suit. You said you read it, right? So when you put on the suit, he fell subject to the Santa Claus. Here. The Santa Claus? Oh, you mean the guy that fell off my roof? No, no, no. Not Santa Claus the person. Santa Claus the clause. What? This is a fantasy family Christmas comedy drama. Directed by John Pasquin. The cast includes Tim the Toolman Taylor, Blanky, Wendy Crewson, the Honorable Judge Reinhold, and Frankenstein's Monster. Now, I just have one question. Who, who are you referring one? to when we say Blanky? <laughs> who, yeah, I guess, I guess I have more <laughs> questions, but the, the number one question I have is, who is Blanky? Is this Michael Jackson's kid? No, it's not. It's the, it's the kid in this movie. Um, what's his name? Charlie. Lloyd. Yes, Eric Lloyd. Uh, one of the other characters he plays famously is from um, The Brave Little Toaster Goes to Mars, another of my favorite <laughs> movies as a kid, where he plays the, not the titular character, but one of the contributing you know characters, Blanky. Oh, that's excellent. And I, I knew about The Brave Little Toaster, but I had no idea he went to Mars. Oh, he really, I actually, actually haven't places. seen the original. I've only seen him going to Mars. <laughs> And it is a trip, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. I watched this movie on YouTube. Joey, how did you watch it? I watched it on Disney+. Plus. Excellent. Uh, why don't you give us the synopsis for The Santa Claus? Okay. <clears throat> After failing to read the fine print in a contract, a man's body begins to turn on him, threatening his health, fitness, and career. Eventually... Disgusted by what he has become, his ex-wife revokes his visitation rights as well. Cruelly, that is the synopsis <laughs> of the Santa Claus. It uh, is a truly horrific film. <laughs> let's start with our um, pros and cons, and I'll go first on the pros. Uh, this movie's funny. I, I liked it. it um, mostly, uh, or in large part, because of Tim Allen. He's a great lead man, and I just... He's just funny. It doesn't matter what he's up to. He just makes me laugh. Uh, and the movie itself is fun and whimsical uh, in the ways that it kind of explains the myth behind Santa. Um, it's also a very 90s movie. Uh, and I, I as a 90s kid, of course, I love the 90s aesthetic. I think the movie does a good job of being dramatic, but without taking itself too seriously. And it presents the non-traditional family unit in a positive light. Something that's kind of, I don't know, I guess you do see that in various Christmas movies, but sometimes Christmas movies can be kind of not like exclusionary towards that type of family because they try to hold the traditional family unit in such a high light. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, that is a unique element of the story that makes it really stand out um, and re- brings it to another level, I think. Um, it's, it's a surprisingly charming movie, and t- Tim Allen is really believable not just as the quippy businessman, but he's also a really good Santa. Um, Charlie, the kid, is very cute, uh, which is the nicest thing I can say about him. 
Uh, he's had, <laughs> there's a bunch of really fun twists on the Santa myth uh, while remaining, just like you said, respectful and magical, which I think is one of the highlights of this movie. Um, also, uh, the script the script is just really, really good. It's surprisingly good. What about things you didn't like? Um, so this one I think is pretty obvious, but the CGI like sleigh hasn't aged very well. It, it looks Not decently bad. And, um, and also I, <laughs> I felt like the fart jokes in this movie were just unnecessary. There was like having Comet just fart. Like, honestly, I, th- when that happened, I was like, okay, where's this going? Wh- wh- why does Comet have gas? What's the joke? And it never came back to it. And no. later Tim Allen or I guess Scott Calvin, like he's waking up and he's, his body has changed and, but you don't see it yet. It's kind of the reveal, but he rolls, like he rolls over, puts his feet on the ground and just lets one rip. And then it just continues. Like there's like, who put these in there? Like was the sound guy just pranking when you guys (laughs) let him edit this movie? Nothing says Christmas like farts. (laughs) What? Yeah, I I agree. I like for a movie that has some pretty good setups and payoffs, the farts are not part of that at all. Just cheap body humor. Yeah, and they're not a huge part of the movie, but not at all. They, they no. stood out to me as like not funny in a movie that's very funny, right? Or full of funny moments. Yeah, I agree uh, with both of those. And I also feel, like couldn't shake the feeling that this movie is like for divorced dads. It's about like <laughs> like the fantasy that the divorced dad gets a job that's so cool that her son won't shut up about it. Like <laughs> <laughs> totally owning the uh, the the new the dad, new, the yeah, stepdad, the, the new husband. Yeah, <laughs> like the guy who's like, well, to tell you the truth, I like. Scott Calvin is kind of a successful guy. So it didn't really seem like he was that much of a loser. I was wondering how, like what happened that made them get divorced. But, um, it like Neil has like this pretentious job and he, like he constantly gets to dunk on him. Like the, the bit where they have them go to the Denny's and there's all the other divorced dads there disappointing their kids. (laughs) Like this is the movie that those dads return to their home with their kids and watch with them to be like, see, (laughs) I'm still cool. Exactly. Okay, uh, so let's move on to the overall section and really, really dive into this movie. So, Joey, take it away. This is a really charming movie. Um, I think I was most impressed with how Tim Allen fully embodied Santa Claus, not just in looks, but in true action. The transition he undergoes is subtle. Uh, so by the end, when he's takes when he has a long beard and the whole get up, it's almost like it has to kind of snap into focus suddenly. For me, the, that moment was when he has like that twinkle in his eye when he returns Charlie to his mother's. Um, he like kind of gives him the sideways glance and like this half smile, and like he, he just he just looks so much like Santa in that moment that it's like oh my gosh, like it suddenly happened. Um, and I think that that transition and that transformation is so would be so hard to pull off. And I guess you could argue that it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen very naturally, but it's, it's kind of, it takes a little while and him not dressing as Santa and stuff like helps aid that his beard doesn't turn to white till later in the movie and everything. So it is kind of a gradual thing and you still see him as Scott Calvin up until pretty much the last moments in the movie. 
I agree. I, I feel like they did such a good job with pacing that transformation because the movie is about him becoming the Santa Claus, right? So it wasn't like one night he went to sleep and then he woke up the next morning he was fat and he was Santa. They kind of give you time to appreciate each step in the transition and, and milk it for all it's worth, which is good. I'm glad they yeah. did that. It was the, the cover of this movie is Tim Allen kind of like, oh, what's going on? And like he's like f- becoming fat, like he's like <laughs> w- very wide. And uh, I, I just, I, I, I I totally agree that the pacing was great it gave you a moment to appreciate like oh now he's fat now he loves milk and cookies now his heartbeat is jingle bells like it's <laughs> yes. it's done it's done very well there's a lot of great like gags with that you know i really like the one where he's sitting on the bench and all the kids come up to him <laughs> they line up <laughs> it was so good he's like i know how this looks but they lined up by themselves i swear <laughs> Especially because he does, he tries to avoid the first girl with yeah. his body language, where he like scoots over, then he like puts one leg over the other and like turns the other direction, and she just taps him on the shoulder. It's great. It is good. It's really good. Yeah, uh, Scott Calvin is kind of your classic antihero. Like you don't really want to like him. He seems kind of like a jerk, but looking back, he really isn't that bad at all. Um, he's a little absent-minded and overambitious with dinner, and he's rude to his new wife's husband. But you can't really fault him for either. Or his of wife's things. new husband. Right. Sorry, his wife's new husband. Um, he is. He's kind of annoyed. Uh, he's kind of annoyed by the whole Santa thing at first, especially when it gets in the way of him seeing his son. But as as he becomes to embrace it, other pieces in his life start to fall into place, and of course, the ending is very happy as well. So it all it all works out in the end, um, and all of that. Yeah, I I was. When I first saw this, I saw I watched this twice. I watched it once with my family for the first time ever uh, over Thanksgiving, and then I watched it again this week to prepare for this episode. And when I first watched it, I kind of assumed that he would be a bad person to begin with, and then through becoming Santa Claus, he would become this better person. But honestly, I liked him from the beginning. He was fun. I mean, I know his son kind of feels like he's like, oh, I don't want to be here. But I mean, the the overambitious dinner, even though he didn't deliver. It was ambitious. He was trying his best. And yeah. he's the one adult in Charlie's life who's like, hey, Christmas can be a magical time for a kid. And maybe we shouldn't, you know, get rid of that and ruin your innocence so quickly. Maybe we should try to keep the magic in Christmas. And while that's kind of viewed as a negative quality by Charlie's stepdad and his mom, I am totally on board with that. So I like even though he is like pitted against the authorities in this world, uh, I still think he's a good guy. From, Scott Calvin is, is a good guy from the beginning. Yeah. And they sort of like hint that he was kind of destined for this in a way by his initials matching Santa Claus, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is which is interesting. And I, I don't remember if they really go into that more into the sequels or not, but I like the idea that kind of like you you kind of had to fall accidentally into your destiny in a way like uh and then it becomes reality and you become grateful for it it's oh yeah well and not not only the scott calvin but also being in the toy industry by yeah. being a guy who already makes toys you know per se i mean this movie even goes to show santa doesn't make the toys he's a distributor right. uh, which is kind of what scott is that's interesting um i think what makes this movie really feel like a christmas classic is how it treats the santa myth with such respect um despite like the weird reality that is implied by the literal santa claus everything you see at the north pole is just perfectly magical the the Um, literal north pole (laughs) (laughs) yes a pole in the ground um it, it, it only answers questions when those answers are cooler than just nothing right yes um and 
and there's so many things that are just like, oh, I don't know how it works. It's just magic. But that's okay because like believing is magic and this whole thing of like Christmas is magic and it doesn't have to all make sense. It doesn't have to have everything spelled out for you. Um, is yeah, nice. Like, it's, for instance, it's kind of refreshing. They even bring up uh, Charlie questions Scott early in the when he's reading the night before Christmas and says, "How do reindeer fly?" And Scott tries to give him some. He says, "Fairy dust," and then um, you know horns <laughs> and <laughs> horns. That's a great answer. But they don't actually. At least I I don't recall them actually explaining it. It's just they fly, and that's it. Doesn't matter, you know. And in like you said, unless there was a cooler answer than nothing, they don't bother, you know, shoehorning in an explanation. No, magic is good enough. That's right. I can't wait for um, uh, Bernard, uh, the the Santa Claus story that goes through all of the the details of how it all how it all works and how Bernard got the snow globe and how um, <laughs> the spin how the North Pole got built. How the sleigh got built, you know, how he won it from his friend in a card game. How yeah. Charlie was like capable of the engineering that was that was necessary to include a, co- a hot cocoa dispenser and a CD drive that dispenses cookies. Yes, I, I all of was, that. I thought it was interesting <laughs> that they they gave him credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting. Anyway. No, I, I I enjoyed not knowing. I enjoyed not having it all told to me. I, I liked just having the Christmas magic. And I think that's really what sells this movie. Um, and I and I think the another part that's really good is just how the children just know that Scott is Santa, right? Um, like we've t- said before, when he's uh, sitting on the bench and that girl approaches him and they form a whole line, like the, the children just kind of sense it. And it said uh, that the children are the reason Santa has magic. So it all kind of ties together in this nice little bow, too. Yeah. Additionally, I liked the the way well, I liked how the elves looked like children. I thought that was an interesting twist on uh, yeah. elves because Santa's whole thing is like uh, kind of doing the service to the children of the world. Um, and not only are kids just cuter than adults, it just... Um, I, I don't know. I thought it was a fun little twist. Although it did make me a little bit uncomfortable when they kind of did, it was like an edgy kind of joke or like, uh, he, he says, you look really good for being that old. Uh, yeah. For when being Judy said, years old. For being, yeah. And then she was like, I'm dating somebody in rapping and he's like, <laughs> Ooh, awkward. You know, I was like, I don't know. There okay. were some, there was a couple weird sexual things in this movie. Yeah. The other one that made me feel uncomfortable was when they're at the Christmas party and Scott Calvin's like here at whatever toys we're yeah. all about families but our families aren't here right now which is why whatever his name is has his secretary sitting on his lap and everyone's just like oh yay infidelity Infidelity. in the workplace (laughs) (laughs) what about when he's walking down the street and he says to that that grown woman really nice veronica very nice (laughs) well at least she's a grown woman not a child or elf that looks like a child (laughs) still you know yeah yeah leave that out well um and i feel like that Part of that comes from, um, you know, Tim Allen's just his comedy. You know, he's a little bit more. A little raunchy. A little raunchy. A little bit. All right. Um, I was actually really impressed with the script for this movie. I felt like everything was really tight. Um, there were some really funny moments, but like the acting from Tim Allen, Wendy Crewson, Judge Reinhold, and even Eric Lloyd, who plays Charlie. Um, really carries a great family story about working through differences. It's one thing to have a funny Christmas movie, but to actually care about every character and tell a unique story about divorce and custody is actually really touching. You know, I think this movie has a lot more going for it than something like Elf. 
which is like just funny all the way through. And it's like, oh, you know, Will Ferrell is a is a sympathetic character, I guess, but like you don't really care about anybody else in that movie. Everyone else is just kind of there to be his foil. So to have like a, a kind of a, a depth of character development in a Christmas movie really puts it a, another step up. You know, it makes it entertaining and touching to a whole different audience, not just, you know, the kids that this is marketed to. Yeah, take that, Elf. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I feel like Elf is overrated, honestly. Um, well, we could have a conversation about that another time. Um, but I agree with you. I, I actually was surprised how gutted I was when they took away Scott Calvin's visitation rights. I, I mean, for me, I was like, that is that is truly savage, you know? And, yeah. it, and it kind of, because you have this almost impossible a situation where or there's no solution to these people who don't believe in Santa and I'm literally Santa. Like <laughs> there's no, there's no, uh, you know, bringing those things together. At least the movie makes it look that way, uh, which makes it a, uh, a good conflict. But yeah, it, it takes it beyond just like the funniness of the situation and brings in an actual dramatic feeling. And I, I, think I feel that like there's good. something to be said about how it wasn't like a one-to-one metaphor for like something that really happens. You know, yeah. I think there was. I think there's definitely parallels you could make between someone who's in that situation where they feel like they haven't done anything wrong, and yet the situation dictates that like they don't deserve custody of their kids anymore. Um, but to wrap it all up into this absurdity of Santa makes you know gives it a nice fantasy element that kind of lends it to almost a broader situation based instead of something more specific. So it's interesting that they like kind of took something from reality and then added this extra element on top of it well so here's something i kind of want to bounce off of you um and see what you thought because i i thought it was kind of a little bit shoehorned the way that neil and laura came to believe in santa again like they tell this story of like as kids they didn't get the presents they wanted and that kind of like killed their faith in santa and then at the end you see them get those presents and they're like oh you know we just needed to we were suppressing the child inside and uh that was what we needed to believe but i really don't feel like that like, I don't think this took away from the movie too much, but I felt like it kind of took away from the focus of re- the real present or the real gift being that they found a way to come together as a family. Um, as always, the real present, real Santa Claus was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> but I, for me, the moment of like solidification for Wendy or, or what's her name? Laura. Uh, the, the, Laura and um, Neil. Neil is when scott is in the living room and they both like recognize him as santa and they like they say like oh is that like yeah say, oh my god they santa. both have like that moment where it clicks yeah 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 i th- that was a little bit more powerful for me and a little bit more um like earned i think because they had been you know they were kind of the bad guys this whole movie this movie doesn't really have a lot of antagonists but sure exactly. they were definitely the bad guys right so to have them kind of come around to that and like suddenly it's undeniable right all of this stuff was happening beforehand that was hinting at the fact that that charlie and and scott was telling the truth but suddenly it all became real for them when they you know when seeing suddenly was believing right i don't well, know i felt like that was i felt like that part was earned the, the the present dropping was like a nice little like tug of your heartstrings but it wasn't the moment that made them believe again I guess. definitely no i agree i just don't i think just the inclusion of like the presence and how that was the thing that made them lose their faith in santa i think was uh, like just a yeah. distraction yeah i didn't really get that either like 
I didn't really relate to the idea of like, you didn't get a, a specific present you want. And so therefore Santa isn't real. Like the whole thing collapses. Right. I don't know. Like, it's like, like Santa's only Santa real Claus, he's like Amazon, 100% like delivery. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, if Amazon doesn't deliver your package, you don't believe in Jeff Bezos anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he loses a little of magic. <laughs> Jeff Bezos so falls off a roof to go back. and someone else becomes Jeff Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, I, I didn't really like that either. So. But but yeah, it was. But I don't think it takes it was that much worth away from it. it. Okay, it was worth it to watch Neil blow that freaking weenie whistle. Yeah, and what, are you kidding me? A Oscar Mayer weenie whistle? What even is that? Uh, actually, the uh, mystery date game. Um, when I was watching this with my mom, she pointed out. She's like, "Oh, I got. I also wanted one of those for Christmas." So, um, what is it? Um, it's a board game. I, I don't know. Okay. Uh, she didn't explain it uh, in detail to me, but I. I, I think maybe that could have been like a nostalgic throwback. Be like, hey, parents, remember when you were a kid? You know, maybe that adds mm. some value to it. But um, I don't know. That was just something that I think threw me off a little bit on what otherwise was a really uh, satisfying conclusion. Yeah, okay. And uh, also, just this is an aside, but I think I have to bring it up. One of my favorite aspects of this movies uh, of this movie are the outfits. And like I said, I love the 90s aesthetic, but Tim Allen rocks some amazing low-key I'm Santa outfits in this movie <laughs> that I think chubby old men should draw inspiration from around Christmas time. I mean, he has, when he goes to, I guess, court or when they go to see the judge, he's wearing like the black suit, but then he's got the red undershirt with the red tie with green on it, you know? And then he has like the tracksuit kind of look when he's walking down the street and seeing the uh, the, the naughty and nice people. He, like, he just knows who's not yeah, yeah. who's nice and i know santa ha like had some nice looking outfits like christmas outfits and then charlie gets in on the action around the 52 minute mark and this is when they go on a walk where scott asks him to keep santa a secret and charlie is stunting okay he's got the canadian tuxedo 90s style red and white horizontal striped t-shirt tim's he's wearing timberlands and he's rocking the bowl cut dude he's that's a fit right there that's a fit, that's fit inspiration uh from charlie steal his look I, <laughs> I honestly i need to steal his look the only thing i don't think i could really access is the bowl cut that would probably be the oh, hardest you could part. you just don't have the balls oh okay <laughs> I, I would argue I don't have the, the hair for it, the, but, but you can, you can uh, make the decision for yourself. Um, but I really did enjoy that aspect of it. They, uh, they looked great. Even Neil's yeah, I, sweaters I, are nice. Yeah, I'd like Neil's sweaters. I, um, I read somewhere that um, uh, Tim Allen spent three hours in makeup to look like Santa. Yeah, he, um, he did definitely uh, go through a huge transformation. I didn't, when I, uh, like at the beginning of the movie, I was like, how are they gonna make him look like Santa? I don't. I mean, he kind of has rosy cheeks, but Tim Allen has kind of like this, uh, I don't know, vertical head. Like he's <laughs> like a taller head. I don't know. For some yeah, reason, yeah. I just couldn't see it. But they they did a great job, and uh, he really did look like Santa by the time he finished that whole transformation. Especially the, the little when he was in the um, when they stole Charlie from the house and they go to the North Pole, and he's walking around the workshop with the tiny Santa glasses. I was like, okay, now he's gone full Santa. <laughs> Now that's Santa. Okay, now this is Santa. <laughs> <laughs> all right, are we ready for Easter eggs? Are we ready for cool yeah, Easter, Easter eggs? eggs. Um, all right, go you 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 go ahead. Okay, so I uh, 
I was so confused by how this movie even existed just because <laughs> like <laughs> the Santa Claus as a premise was such a like bizarre thing. Like it almost seemed like this movie was written like the title was written and then the movie was written. But I but I but I'm mistaken about that. You know like I, I was thinking, oh, it's a uh, it's Santa Claus, right? So it's a pl- it's a pun on the clause and how clause is a different thing, and therefore we're gonna write a movie about how there's a Santa Claus and figure out how that works. Right, right, right. It's later. like what could be? How do we make Santa more fun? It's like, well, why how don't we, we combine Santa- it with legal jargon? It's like, <laughs> oh, kids will love it. <laughs> yes. No. The 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 original or at least working title of this movie was such a clatter. And the original premise was that a random guy, uh, Scott Calvin, becomes Santa Claus through an accident. And then the, the actual clause part was written in later um, as a, you know, kind of an explanation. And then the title fell from that. Okay. Okay. And so, uh, well, and also <laughs> that was pretty funny. The actual um, such a clatter, like. Yeah, such a clatter. Yeah, the, it's the. What was the name? It was like the Arose Suchuk Ladder. Like that was the name of the company. Yes, <laughs> that was funny. That, that's what I'm talking about, though. Like that, that, and they they just kind of they they take every opportunity to include like remember you know this about Santa. Like as a, as an American who's gone through many Christmases, there are certain things that we all know about Santa. And I felt like they did a great yeah. job of kind of pulling those all out and being like, look, this is why this is Santa. There's, there's actually a lot of references to twas the night before Christmas, um, in this, uh, in the way he acts and everything. Like he, like the nod of his head before he rises through the chimney, his fingers to the lips and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like a, a lot of the actions he takes are very much like a, like from that book, which is really cool, actually. Well, it actually uh, reminds me of another thing where I was just like, Tim Allen's just so good at it, where he speed reads the rest of the book when Charlie falls asleep. There's just something about the way Tim Allen executes that. That was just so funny because he he's still saying all words that are in that story. So it's like he does know the whole story and he just like jumps from part to part until the, into all a good night. Like he like gets to the <laughs> end of it. I don't know. I was really impressed with Tim Allen in this movie. Yeah, I think he did a great job. He really, he really did it. All right, you want to, you want the next one? Yes, please. More, more cool Easter eggs. Okay. Uh, this one is a Tim the Toolman moment. Uh, obviously, Tim Allen became famous from being on Home Improvement as Tim the Toolman Taylor. Um, and there's a moment where he's in the workshop for the first time, and he finds a tool belt on the bench, and he tries it on for a second, and then he's like, ah, nah. Uh, which is a pretty clear <laughs> reference to that show, but it's a uh, it's pretty subtle though. If you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't see it. I definitely didn't notice, and my sister pointed it out to me when we were watching this together, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, you're so right!" And I, I think Tim Allen earns that kind of Easter egg in this movie because he does so much for the like the movie itself to to carry the weight of the movie, but also, uh, you know, he kind of he's that lead man. You know, everybody knows him from Home Improvement. It's a true subtle nod, not like this. You know, wink, wink, straight at the camera. Like, remember that thing, kind of thing. Right. Like, you know? <laughs> they could have had him pick up the tool belt and be like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> if only, that would put this movie on another level. <laughs> well, that's uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I thought it was done really well. So, uh, moving on to the songs in this movie, there was, I mean, the soundtrack for this includes a lot of Christmas classics, as as many Christmas movies do, but I thought it was interesting, the inclusion of Gimme All Your Lovin' by ZZ Top, and it's 
the scene where they're getting ready to for like this climax of the movie. Gear up yeah, montage. Yeah, the, yes, the gear up montage. But I just thought it, not only is Tim Allen hilarious in the execution of like the ZZ Top like kind of step and put your arm out in front of you, step and put your arm out in front of you. But also the elves and, and Charlie and just everyone else around him, they're so cute doing it with him. <laughs> and uh, I just, I really love that. It, it, um, for, for a non-Christmas song in this movie, I thought it did really well. There's always time for low-level low choreogra- choreography. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always impressed by low-level choreography. And uh, I'm also a big fan of ZZ Top, so I, I, I love that they got into this movie. Okay, let's keep it moving. Let's go to our quotable moments, and I've got the first one. Charlie, stay where you are. Charlie, would you listen to me? Stay up there. Him. Did not. And he's not Santa. Well, he was. So this brings up something that I thought about basically in the back of my mind the whole movie. What happened to the original Santa? Did he die? Is this oh, what happens? Is this when you is this what happens at the end of your the Santa Claus is you die and dissolve and then someone takes your clothes? I have no idea. I mean it's like, like a Dread Pirate Roberts thing. You have you do have you never seen the uh, the Princess Bride? Have you? I've seen the Princess Bride. Oh, okay. It's been a long time. the The Dread Private uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts uh, is like a legendary pirate, but he's actually a bunch of different people. He's not just one guy, but his legend continues on. Fingers or something? No, that's somebody. Or else. Is that a different person? He uh, okay. his legend continues on because he passes the mantle to the next guy who becomes the Dread Pirate Roberts and continues the legend of this legendary pirate. And it continues on for generations and generations. Um, same as Santa. This explains how Santa can be a human while having a normal life, like a lifespan, I guess. Right, right, right. So, um, to so what happened to him though? Did he die? The more okay, the more pressing and disturbing question is like you, murder is involved in the santa like legacy you know any santa that comes to be murdered the last santa <laughs> <laughs> well because the elves showed no remorse they don't they're just no, like, they're just like santa oh, now. here's a new guy yeah they're like they've definitely seen this before because they've been around for so long but also like remember when scott gets arrested by the cops and they send in elfs why didn't they do that for the other Santa? They're like, oh, he fell <laughs> off the roof. Maybe we should help him. They're like, nah, he'll just die. I because have no idea. Do you see after they say this, after they say, you killed him, I feel like they kind of put your mind at rest because you see Santa's mitten kind of wave, like he kind of clenches his fingers. And then the next thing you know, he's dissolved and his clothes are the only thing there. Yeah. And nobody cares about the former Santa Claus. The, the wave is definitely like a producer saying, um... We need to have something to say that he's not quite dead because we can't start a movie that way. Did you? Okay, but did you know what, how they were originally gonna have this movie? How that have that scene go? No. Tim Allen was gonna shoot him. Oh, that sounds like a very Tim Allen thing to have happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I live in then, America where um, I can shoot Santa. What's his name? Uh, Jeffrey uh, Katzinger or, or uh, the guy in charge of. Um, uh, who was the head producer at Disney at the time, was like, there's no way that's getting through. We have to have something <laughs> else. That's funny. Well, 
I still don't know. Tim Allen, or, or rather Scott Calvin, kind of explains it away. He's like, he's running around naked somewhere. Like he says that, you know. And and obviously at that point he's kind of in denial of the whole Santa myth. So he's trying to give the real world explanation for all these magical things that are occurring. But I'm not convinced. <laughs> I think right. I think Santa died, man, and nobody cared. It's very sad. <laughs> it is sad, but uh, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. Maybe we can just trust that he's naked somewhere in the snow and got away. And he's like, finally, I'm back free. to my normal life. <laughs> <laughs> that sucker took my suit. But okay, I, I'll leave it at that. I, I still, I'm not satisfied, but we have other things to talk about, okay. so we can move on. <laughs> All right, my next quote. Wait a minute. How do I know who's good and bad? You'll know. What if I don't want to do this? Don't even kid about a thing like that. Why not? What if I don't buy into this Santa Claus thing? What if I choose not to believe it? Then there would be millions of disappointed children around the world. You see, children hold the spirit of Christmas within their hearts. You wouldn't want to be responsible for killing the spirit of Christmas, now would you? Santa? This is what Bernard says to Scott Calvin when he first arrives in the North Pole. Um, Bernard being the head elf at the North Pole. Um, it's, it's kind of a lot to unpack here. Like, first of all, like, Christmas is supported by children's belief in it, right? Like, the children hold the, the, the resource of magic that the North Pole is utilizing to get all of its stuff done, um, which is interesting. And I kind of wish they explored that a little bit more. Uh, but I think it's a nice way to kind of explain in the background how the magic works in a way, right? And, and to have his connection with children, which you see later in the movie. Um, oh, yeah, you have to have this movie be pro-belief in Santa. Yes. Right? That's kind of, that's And that is a it. big theme in this movie, so. As it is with any Santa movie. That's true. But um, what's also interesting is like the way Bernard kind of phrases this as like he's kind of trapped. Like he had like he's responsible for this thing that he didn't even understand what he was doing. Like the Santa Claus card is like written in fine print. They had to read with a super <laughs> magnifying glass. Like it's it's built to be like a terms and conditions trap. Like yep. you, uh, you just because get... on the back it says if something were to happen to me, put on my suit. Yes. And the reindeer will know what to do. Like it's it's definitely trying to trick you into becoming Santa. Exactly. <laughs> Which so like it's like is this really the like what what do you do if you're a person who doesn't want like really doesn't want to be Santa? You know, like how does that even work? Right. It's uh I mean he uh he, he doesn't know that he's what he's signing up for uh i love how they really magnify like they magnify that i'm gonna use the same word twice here because they had that huge magnifying glass that tim allen makes those faces through but <laughs> that's such a contract thing though yes. the nature of like contracts and legal ease is kind of that they're there to like get you right or it's that they're trying to i think they're trying to uh posture like that that like lawyers and contracts are all just trying to trick you with the fine print right so the real message of this movie read the fine print sure <laughs> don't don't sign anything or put on any pants before you read the fine print. <laughs> exactly okay next one i i see it but i don't believe it 
You're missing the point. What is the point? Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Kids don't have to see this place to know that it's here. They just know. This is what Judy says to, uh, Judy the elf says to Scott Calvin um, before, right before he goes to bed. And I, I, I really like this line. I think it's really interesting. Um, like seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Like uh, the idea that when you believe in something, it suddenly becomes real. And that's certainly true for this movie. But I don't know. I think that's like kind of true for other things too. You know, I, I like to say like perpetual motion doesn't exist in physics, but it does exist in the human psyche. Like you can, <laughs> you can propel an idea with just pure will toward becoming something that people believe, even if it doesn't even make sense. Um, and suddenly like it's a real thing and it doesn't, the re how it got there doesn't like make any sense or doesn't have any facts or reason behind it. It's just belief itself is the way that it became real and people act on it like it is real. Right, it's right. Crazy. It's kind of another way to say it is perception is reality, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it reminds me of this book I read, I think I mentioned on the podcast a while back, called Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. And it's all about systems um, and how humans can build these complicated systems by interacting with each other. And one of the things he says in there is like, um, ironically, uh, these systems become so powerful, like more more real uh, than the lions, trees, and rivers that are tangible. But these systems dictate um, whether there will be any lions, trees, or rivers in the future, um, even though they're just abstract ideas that we kind of ascribe to. I think they've touched on something really poignant here, is what I'm trying to say, about okay. how seeing how... Just because you see something doesn't mean you will believe it. But if you believe in it, then it becomes real. That is, you're you're uh, really expanding my understanding of this quote. Because when I first heard, it, I was I was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, well, yeah. I don't. I think that um, I think that's like a powerful message, especially at Christmas time. You know, like Christmas has been a tradition that's existed for hundreds and hundreds of years. We take it kind of for granted. And I want to talk about later a little bit how Christmas was in danger at certain points. But it's a, it's something that has existed for such a long time. And it's something that we just kind of believed into, into existence. And it's like a really wonderful time of year. It's a, kind of amazing that we've come to this point. Yeah, I, I have my, at certain times I like Christmas more than others. Uh, sometimes I feel like it's really commercial and uh, just a reason to spend money and it's like oh we really do live in a capitalist society but there's also other things that come with Christmas that are the complete opposite of that where I'm like thank goodness we have this time where we all stop and focus on some things that are a little bit more important you know and it's it is this constant battle to decide what how you want Christmas to be um, like I <laughs> like low-key flex like i'm sending out a whole lot of christmas cards this year and for some of those i had to reach out to people that were kind of on the fringe of like are you my friend or are you my acquaintance mm -hmm. right it's like <laughs> is it weird that i'm asking for your address so that i can send you just so i can send you a christmas card right do you even want me to know exactly where you live um, but i the way i look at it is it's like i don't want anything out of this from you i genuinely want you to get a little bit of like 
quote unquote Christmas cheer because it's the time of year where we appreciate other people and decide, you know, I want to send you a holiday greeting just to say, hey, you matter to me. You're, you know, here's a nice little card. Um, also because my card is epic, dude. Wait until you see it. They always but, are. <laughs> you always deliver. But it's, it's, uh, so, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. You know, there's the idea, uh, it might not be something tangible or something that you can like validate physically, but you can say, you know, I believe that it's, it's worth it. So that's why I'm doing it. Absolutely. All right. Next quote. Where is he? Well, he could be in his room, jumping up and down on his bed, wearing a red hat and galoshes. I don't care what Neil's doing. Where's Charlie? Oh, 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 I see, I see. Got this Neil is, again. Yes. This is one of my favorite aspects of this movie is how consistently Tim Allen dunks on Neil. It's <laughs> hilarious. Um, at, like, <laughs> he doesn't let him off the hook ever, whether it's like insulting his sweaters or making fun of his career. <laughs> he, he never stops. Uh, like, even from the beginning when uh, they're like, why don't why is Neil staying, like, still in the car? He's like, well, he said you'd probably say something like uh mean or rude he's like that's not true i could also say something rude or sarcastic like as he's like <laughs> waving at him she just has no respect at all for for neil which is really funny and shows growth when at the end he includes neil in their you know un, uh, untraditional family so uh, i think this is one of my favorite burns uh that he gives to neil yeah it's it's it is straight up unexpected it's pretty good <laughs> It's really, um, I've been, I've, I'm kind of surprised that I hadn't seen this movie before because I am so impressed with the quality that Tim Allen brings. Like many times I've seen it before comedian plus Christmas equals a good time. It's it's just a, it's math really. That's that's third grade. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, whether that's Arnold Schwarzenegger or Chevy Chase or in this case, Tim Allen, it's a good time. So this has definitely entered that realm for me of like respectable, funny comedian Christmas movies. And part of it is because Tim Allen's so good at putting Neil down. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, another, my next quote also celebrates Tim Allen. And so this is not quite the famous that you hear from a uh, uh, home improvement. This is, this is when he sees his weight. Um, at one point he looks down at himself and he says, huh? and it's a, uh, it's pretty good. It's a uh, got a good laugh out of me. So, oh man, that was half of the reason why I loved watching home improvement. Cause that you'd watch the theme song and it'd be like, dan 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 it's so drawn out and emphasized. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Imagine I, trying I remember to teach him how to say that. Like, where did that come from? Did he? That's just a noise he made naturally, or they were just like, no, th- th- like, give me a, give me a, huh? But more exaggerated, please. No, more, <laughs> more. I need more, huh? He's like sweating profusely. <laughs> I've got a fever, and the only, the only prescription is more, huh? <laughs> Like, no one has ever been as confused and dumbfounded as Tim the Toolman Taylor. They had to set up this whole situation just to confuse him. They brought in, like, circus actors and things. Everyone's jumping around. (laughs) That's how they did it. It wasn't them just coaching and yelling at him. They, 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 like, basically pranked him over and over again to the point where he just thought he was just going completely insane. Just, like, a a complete gaslighting. Like... (laughs) 
<laughs> like like a giant heist like the whole crew is in on it and just get gas lock them in a, in a container and drop them in the middle of the ocean <laughs> and then he's just like at some point you know something totally wacky happens and he's like like finally he goes like then do we get like, that do we get that we got it we got it that's the one <laughs> it's all over and then it totally was worth it home improvement was a huge hit like, and mostly because it was of all that. worth it that okay now that's method acting tim allen <laughs> is a master of his craft i respect it <laughs> oh man all right one more quote and with that body you should be thankful you have hair Look, if, if it bothers you, you can diet, and you should diet. <laughs> this is great. This is, this this is, great. is a great line. <laughs> this is like, like I think this is great, uh, a testament to how well written this movie is. Um, but also, like, I just love that a doctor would say this. Like, this is something that he would say to any kind of middle-aged like yes. guy going through a midlife crisis where he's put on a, son of, a lot of weight and his hair is dying. Like, yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't even matter if that's a, if a if that's a canned line because it's freaking gold. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard it before. I mean, I'm not a middle-aged man, but I've never heard it before. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> oh, man, I'm glad you included that one. I thought about including that one. Um, okay, Joey, I believe you know what time it is. It is time for us to go a little deeper. Deeper, deeper, deeper. Okay, I've got so much to say and only so much time to say it. So I want to talk briefly about the history of Santa because I think this movie, in its own small way, has contributed to what the myth of Santa Claus is. You know, when you picture Santa Claus, what do you picture? Um, and I think this movie kind of takes all of those things and reinforces it by really doubling down on what's important about Santa. Reindeer, red suit, fat guy, beard, the presents. Bag, going down the chimney, milk and cookies. Stockings. Kind of. Boots. <laughs> Boots. <laughs> Belt. Farting. Wait, no, that's not one. <laughs> that's not, that will be included in later iterations, I'm sure. <laughs> Um, anyway, so I got I got a bunch of different sources here. One of them was actually CGP Gray's video that he made eight years ago, unbelievably, about San the history of Santa. Great content check creator. He's great. Uh, definitely check that out if you're interested in a quick summary of Santa. I'm not going to be able to go into as much detail even as he did, but I will briefly touch about some of the things. Um, some of my sources are the History Channel, National Geographic, and Wikipedia. So St. Nicholas is probably our first Santa that's ever really existed. He was, he was around back in 280 AD, uh, which is a really long time ago. Uh, he was in a little town called Myra in Turkey. He was a bishop known for his generosity. There was a, there was some, there's a bunch of stories about things he did. There was one where he, was, he gave this family a bunch of money because the father couldn't afford to pay his daughter's dowries, which was like a thing that you had to do when you were giving your uh, daughter for like up for marriage, right? You had to also give the husband a bunch of money to prove that you were wealthy or something. And uh, otherwise the girls would have gone into prostitution. So the alternative was that St. Nicholas saved them from a life of hardship and instead gave them money, uh, which is, you know, very generous, of course. They do. It is the world's oldest profession. Thank you for that. <laughs> his uh, his feast day, which is the day that he's celebrated, is December 6th. 
uh, which is you know not quite Christmas, but it was close enough that as time went on, it became more and more. Um, Father Christmas is the next Santa I want to talk about. He is the old English tradition of Christmas, as in like from England. Uh, there was actually a story uh, way back in the 1600s about a very real war on Christmas. Um, uh, something that would make uh, Bill O'Reilly shake in his boots. Oh, no. Um, the, uh, the, the rise of uh, Puritanism. This is a quote from Wikipedia. The what was rise it? of Puritanism? Puritanism. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm saying this wrong. Puritanism? Puritanism led to accusations of popery in connection with pre-Reformation Christian Christmas traditions. Popery is associating with the Pope, by the way. I thought that <laughs> word was pretty great. <laughs> okay. When the Puritans took control of the government in the mid-1640s, they made concerted efforts to abolish Christmas and to outlaw its traditional customs for 15 years um, around 1644, the celebration of Christmas in England was forbidden. The suppression was given greater legal weight from June 1647 when Parliament passed an ordinance for abolishing of festivals, which formally abolished Christmas in its entirety, along with other traditional church festivals like Easter and Pentecost. Wow, that really is the yeah. war on Christmas. It really is. And they actually got it totally gone for at least 15 years, more than a decade. It was, uh, it continues, it was in this context that royalist um, pamphleteers linked the old traditions of Christmas with the cause of church and king, while radical Puritans argued for the suppression of Christmas both in its religious and its secular aspects. In the hands of royalist pamphlet writers, Old Father Christmas served as the symbol and spokesman of the good old days of feasting in good cheer, and it became popular for Christmastide's defenders to present him as lamenting past times. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Like, history really does repeat itself. It's freaking crazy. <laughs> like, the, that, isn't that like the, the appeal for like the war on Christmas necessarily? Like, the, the conservative uh, argument is always like, we got to go back to the way things used to be. Back to the good old days. Oh, yeah. We talked about this on uh, Off Script a couple uh, yeah, weeks yeah. ago with the Starbucks cups. Yeah. It's like we uh, we need more Christmas. Bring back the old the old thing. It, right. It was so, good back then. So this was a a concerted effort, like a political effort, to link Christmas to uh, like the what they wanted to have come back, which was the which ended up being the Restoration in 1660, which is when the king returned from exile and re reclaimed his throne and the monarchy ruled again in um, in England. Um, well, I, I just used, wanted to take a moment, like. For the years that Christmas didn't exist, like there were probably, I mean, they're definitely children who were born and made it all the way to basically adulthood, close to adulthood, without ever really participating in Christmas. So it's like later in life, like, when did you stop believing in Santa? Like, <laughs> who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's freaking crazy. Like Christmas didn't exist for like a little while there. Um, what's interesting is, yeah, like, like a Father Christmas was like a political pawn or like a political figure used to as a representation of the old guard of like uh the monarchy which is pretty interesting so um moving forward uh uh in 1843 charles dickens novel a christmas carol was highly influential and has been credited both with reviving interest in christmas in england and with shaping the themes attached to it i had no idea that it was so big did you no 
I, it's crazy. Yeah. And they had Muppets in it, too. <laughs> a know. famous image from the novel in John Leach's illustration of the ghost of Christmas present um, uh, is a is a standpoint for where Father Christmas started from. So the ghost of Christmas present that we saw in the Muppets was a like a very early ancestor to Father Christmas, actually. Okay, very nice. Which is, uh, he looks pretty good in the, in the in at least in the Muppets movie. The uh, uh, little known fact, Michael Caine was actually in the book. That was, he played Scrooge in the book as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> that's how old he is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Although, <laughs> although not explicitly named Father Christmas, the character wears a holly wreath is shown sitting among food, drink, and a, wa- a wassail ball bowl, and is uh, Wait, dressed in traditional a wassail bowl. What is that? Here we go, a wassailing. The... <laughs> what? There's a song. It's, it's about that. I don't remember the rest of it. Okay. I'll play it later. Okay. It is. Uh, so he's, he's dressed in a traditional loose uh, furred gown, and he has green rather than red, uh, which uh, later became the Christmas tradition. Um, so Father Christmas was largely associated with adult, specifically adult feasting and merrymaking. Uh, but gradually, as Victor- the Victorians kind of took over this, uh, uh, children got more and more involved, and therefore gifts became appropriate. And so he gradually became a gift giver over time. The famous poem, uh, uh, A Visit from St. Nicholas, it was written in uh, 1823, which is 20 years earlier than Christmas Carol. Um, and this was written by Clement Clark for sorry, Clement uh, Clark Moore for his six children. Uh, he never intended to publish it, but eventually it was published anonymously and became a very big standpoint for how we imagine Christmas in the future. Do, would I recognize this one? Is there any like iconic lines from that poem? Oh, a, vis- a visit from sorry, I didn't say this. A visit from Saint Nicholas is the original title to "Twas the Night Was Tonight Before Christmas." Oh, okay, okay. It has many names. I've ran across at least two of my sources had conflicting names, and one of them had three names listed. So, <laughs> but a very iconic poem, nonetheless. Yes, it's it read in the Santa Claus, of course, um, and it is has been shaping Christmas tradition ever since. Kind of amazing. So in around 1850, Santa Claus, as he was recognized in the United States, started to blend with Father Christmas in England, and eventually those two became synonymous as we recognize them in the 21st century. So American Santa, which I'll talk about briefly, started off as Sinterklaas, uh, which is uh, Dutch oh. for Saint Nick. Doesn't, doesn't uh, Scott Calvin call himself that in yes. the interrogation scene? That's what actually got me on this kick. I, was, I uh, never he heard He says that. all those names. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this was uh, this was his original name, at least in Dutch. Um, and he got started in New York City, which was founded by um, by the Dutch. Uh, Washington Irving's um, Knickerbocker's History of New York uh, contributed largely to Santa Claus as like what we recognize Santa Claus as. He has a pipe smoking Nicholas soaring over the rooftops in a flying wagon, delivering presents to good boys, good girls and boys, and switches to the bad ones. Switches as in like you know. Like whips, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. Uh, like uh, pieces of what Adrian Peterson of, used uh, to discipline his children, right? <laughs> Very famously. <laughs> um, and so, in 1821, there was a there was an anonymous illustrated poem entitled "The Children's Friend," uh, which also had. Uh, very iconic, now iconic Christmas images, uh, such as gift giving and non-religious uh, connotations. In 1820, so this is when he stops becoming Saint Nicholas, I would say, and starts becoming more, uh, more secular. In 1820, um, there was the first Christmas advertising featuring Santa, 
uh, because Christmas, buying gifts for Christmas became a big market around this time and people started going to the mall at a certain time of the year and people started, and then marketers started to recognize that. Um, in, in the 1890s, the Salvation Army started uh, dressing as Santas, dressing homeless people as Santas um, on corners, and they're still doing that today. They started enlisting Santas in their army? That's right. <laughs> the Salvation Army. Uh, so then in uh, Chris Kringle in the 14, 1947 classic Santa Claus movie Miracle on 34th Street, uh, also helped shape what we understand Christmas is or, or Santa is. So today. what I'm, he- I'm hearing, yeah, Santa is like a very New York kind of dude. Yes. Dead so that ass. was a so that was a big thing. Was, is the Knickerbockers history of New York played like really played up how important Santa was in like this culture and how it eventually spread to the rest of the rest of the country and the rest of the world from that hub. Um, and then uh, there's a very famous painting from or, or drawing. Uh, from 1881 by Thomas Nast, uh, which is a very iconic picture of what Santa looks like. And if you looked at it now, you'd say, obviously, that's Santa. He looks just like you would recognize him in um, in uh, modern day. The last thing I want to mention, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just looking it up on my phone. And yes, that's a very, that is a classic Santa look. How would you describe it? Um, he's a jolly old man with a smoke, smoking a pipe. Very lush white beard, carrying an armful of like just children's toys, including dolls. Looks like there's books in there, um, like some sort of watch, and he's got holly on his head. Another classic Christmas uh, accessory or, or um, decoration, and he's got the gold belt across uh, his big old belly, and it looks like he might be carrying a backpack. Um, which I guess would be not as iconic, but still. Oh, and we can't leave out the rosy cheeks. He's got Ooh, big old rosy, rosy cheeks. cheeks. Yeah, I've All heard right, of last... Thomas Nast. What is that? Why? It might be. I don't know. I don't know what else. He's. A, I mean, he's famous for this cartoon. He may be famous for other things okay, too. Yeah, but anyways. this was one of the first images of Santa, um, as we understand him today. Last Santa I want to re- reference is uh, the Russian Santa. He was known in Russia as Grandfather Frost. And uh, Stalin actually canceled Christmas because it was not a uh, not a communist ideal. So when the Soviet Union was formed, the communists abolished the celebration of Christmas and gift bringing. This really is the war on Christmas. My God, it really is. So uh, w- w- uh, basically, they tried to enforce this as they as they are conquering countries, but everyone kind of just was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And then as soon as the Soviet Union collapsed, they all went back to celebrating Christmas again. So. Nice. Didn't last. Well, you know, that's just one of many things the Soviet Union got wrong. And uh, thank goodness we still got Christmas. In Soviet Russia, Christmas cancels you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay. My uh, That was actually really awesome, Joey. That was cool. Because I, I kind of thank had you. the same... I, I've, I've heard many different... Over the years, you know, you... you you hear about the different origins of Santa and the various versions of Santa across the world. Um, but it, they really, and they even make reference to that. Like you said, in that interrogation scene where he calls himself by all those various monikers. So right. I, I think we could do a whole hour long episode just about the history of Santa. It's very, it's, there's a lot there, but um, it's crazy. We're still doing we're it now. Like th- later on, this will be the history. The, the way that we do it now will be, part of that recognized thing like honestly though tim allen as the santa claus like this for me 
Um, even before I had seen this movie, I knew that this is one of the more iconic portrayals of Santa. It definitely is. And I think updating that myth to modern day is something that this movie does very well, actually, and very respectfully. Like having all the like elf technology and stuff like at the end. I think, that, I think that's really cool. And that's something I remember a lot as a kid. And I think going forward, that's something that we may see in the future, too. So who knows? Very cool. Um, okay, well, I briefly just want to talk about Tim Allen, the actor. Um, something that makes Tim Allen kind of unique is he's openly conservative. And I, I mean, that's not totally unique, but it's well, not it's a very typical... for, for um, Hollywood. Yes, exactly. It's not a typical Hollywood uh, thing. And, and I think we all remember the kind of scandal surrounding Last Man Standing being canceled after its sixth season. You're shaking your head. I don't, don't remember. remember it. Okay. No. So Tim Allen had this show... Um, he actually has this show, but at the time, so he did six seasons on ABC of the show called Last Man Standing, um, and it was canceled kind of unexpectedly before its seventh season. It was the second highest rated show they had on their Friday night lineup, so it was wow. it was doing good in the ratings, and it was a fan favorite. Um, for, but after its sixth season- Did you season, ever see, did you ever watch any of it? I hadn't before I researched this, okay. and it was- uh, um, canceled kind of out of the blue but the dialogue that surrounded it kind of the outrage that surrounded the cancellation was you're only doing this because tim allen is openly conservative and and you know don at the time this happened in may of 2017 so donald Mm. trump was in the first year of his presidency and there were a lot of tensions were high tensions were high yes and uh so the abc maybe you could view as a little definitely not like super right leaning uh maybe was looking at a way to cater to a maybe non-conservative crowd um but there are other things a lot of people thought that's what it was it was too conservative um so they canceled it and i looked into how conservative the show itself was like tim allen is very open about his political beliefs he's almost proud of the fact that he's like the one conservative left in hollywood right sure. um and you know whatever you, you, whatever your political beliefs are you can judge that how you want um but is that enough to cancel the tv show the show itself actually did pander to conservatives there i watched a top like moments of last man standing, uh, like anti PC, like, cause they, they mm. very much take on the idea of being too PC in the show. Uh, they name drop Hillary Clinton a lot. Uh, well, and the, at least in the montage I watched, they would like bring her up specifically, uh, because they, they talked about, she used to work for some company before she like joined the democratic party or whatever. And Tim Allen's like, well, Satan used to work for God, you know, like he, right. And, like, <laughs> and the thing is they are jokes, right? Like if you were doing the opposite and dunking on Trump, then you would say, you know, fair game. It's, it's, you're making a, a political joke. Um, he, so that was definitely part of it. Another thing was he like, he's like trying to, he does the show as kind of like a, uh, he's a salesman for this, uh, outdoorsy company. Yeah. It's I, like an REI or a Garner mountain. Or yeah. Something. So he makes videos where he like addresses the audience, like America at large, almost Bernie Mac style ish. And he talks about it's very Tim, the tool man. Yeah. Yeah. That too. And he, 
like there's another one where he's like you can't just be a sore loser like you can't act like al gore you know and it's like okay you're kind of pandering there and like he actually specific <laughs> that's funny though. he actually specifically <laughs> brings up the communist party um in, in one part where he like dunks on communism as well which is in this case is very pro-christmas if he's making fun of the soviet union so the show itself did definitely include some conservative viewpoints right so you could uh, but it was very popular and maybe some people would argue it was because of that uh, but there's more to it than that abc uh, had to pay a licensing fee for this show it was actually produced by 20th century fox so abc mm. it was a one of their more expensive shows uh, on top of that apparently in network television the seventh season is a very important season for a show because it's the sh the season where you have to do contract negotiations and tim allen already had a really huge contract and you get paid more and more as the show goes on apparently so they were going to have to pay a, a large amount for tim allen and they argued the uh the network executive at abc argued that that just wasn't it was a business decision not to pay for that uh, additionally, and this I felt like is a pretty flimsy argument, but the network, network executives at ABC said that Fridays for their new lineup that year was going to be about dramas, not comedies anymore. It was previously a comedy. The, the Last Man Standing was not the only casualty of these network changes. They also cut uh, Ken Jeong's uh, Dr. Ken at the same time, mm. so another comedy. But going back to the Fox, uh, the 20th Century Fox produced shows on ABC, there were other 20th Century Fox shows that got another season. So it wasn't like they were cutting all shows from other networks. It was just there's a lot of business decisions that they were uh, bringing in. So at the time, it was a big backlash from uh, like Fox News and just like conservative. It was a conservative talking point for a while where they're like, this is as far as liberals will go to stop people from being like, you can't even be on, uh, you can't even have a TV show if, if you openly support Trump. Um, but it really didn't last that long. After the show was dropped in May of 2017, Fox ended up picking it up on their own channel uh, for the seventh season late in 2018. And this, the eighth season is premiering on January second of oh, the really? next of next year, the next decade. So isn't it, wait didn't uh, didn't Brooklyn Nine Nine also get cut? Well, what, that was on that was on NBC, wasn't it? They got picked up by Fox, I think too. Yeah. So and the thing is, the show definitely has a fan base behind it. They had uh, I think it was Change.org is the website where people go to complain in mass and yes. they had with badly written petitions. Right, right. They had like half a million people or something petition for the show to come back. So it, That's pretty it good. was big. And it just it's one of those things where I was I was really enjoying Tim Allen's performance in this movie, The Santa Claus, and then I like I discover that he's this openly conservative actor and <laughs> I I don't know. It might be offensive to some people to like view it like this, but I just, I don't want to consider that part of it. Like I want to take his performance for what it was and what it is in the context of this movie and like not say, I, I can't watch the Santa Claus because I don't agree with everything that Tim Allen says in his normal life. This might be a mean comparison, but you still like Tom Cruise, right? Oh God. <laughs> I Okay. But I, I would say I like, there are famous actors out there that believe crazy things, well, yeah, crazier and, things than being a conservative. Sure, sure. And you can appreciate their art despite Definitely. It, so. And it's something I've come to terms with over over uh, a long time. And people people like to skew. Whenever there's something wrong with 
uh, you know, a celebrity, people like to draw that out and, and magnify it to a large extent and kind of just make it so you can't enjoy them anymore. But I mean, I'm a, I'm a Kanye West fan also. So it's like, <laughs> you don't have any room to talk. Exactly. I, I, I'm definitely not trying to get on a soapbox and say that I'm the ideal <laughs> fan or a consumer of content. But, uh, for me, you know, Tim Allen's got his political opinions. I've got mine, but I think he's a funny actor. So, yeah. Um, and, and that show, I mean, I've only seen a few episodes, but it was pretty funny. Yeah. There was one line that stuck with me a lot, which was, um, what was it? It's his like partner on the show. He says, there's only two things I hate change and hipsters <laughs> okay boomer <laughs> that uh, that tickled me a lot <laughs> okay all right but that's just I, like since we've been doing so much tim allen i wanted to see kind of what he's uh, been up to today and he's still doing just fine he's in the eighth yeah. season of uh his network tv show so he's doing great okay. good for him okay let's uh let's do our rating for the santa claus do you want to go first yes i'll go first i give this movie two sequels that will definitely live up to the first one and not totally ruin it. <laughs> Have you seen them? Have you seen the sequels? I haven't seen the third one. I've seen the second one. Oh, really? One. I've only seen the first and the third. I haven't seen the second one at all. <laughs> the second one, he meets his, his the, the contract dictates he has to get a wife. Oh, wow. What's it? Otherwise, he loses his Santa powers. Well, what's it called? What's the legal jargon that they pun this time? The Santa Claus 2. <laughs> oh, okay. Because well, the, the, the third one is called uh, the Escape Clause. And oh, it's because right, right. if you say a certain thing while you're holding a certain snow globe, like it undoes all like you ever being Santa. It's like, I wish I was, I have never become Santa or something like that. Oh, interesting. And Martin Short is in it. He's, he, he's Jack, he's, uh, Frost, Jack Frost and he becomes yeah. like capitalist oh, Santa. Oh, I know. I know. But I don't... Uh, yeah, I spoiler see. alert. Sorry if you haven't seen those yet. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it has a subtitle, actually. Okay, okay. I, well, that's a, I feel like there's a missed opportunity there for more legal jargon puns, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll forgive it. We uh, Okay, my rating for The Santa Claus. I give this movie a cold glass of milk and a big co- cookie with a gooey center because that's what Santa Claus enjoys. Uh... Whole milk or soy milk? Uh, well, he definitely ends up <laughs> drinking milk throughout the movie. Like he's even disappointed by the soy milk. So I'm gonna go with whole milk. Does it surprise you that the conservative actor doesn't drink soy? No, no, he he does. Well, yeah, he definitely dislikes soy, but he's lactose intolerant at the beginning of the movie. That's uh, well, that must be part of his transformation that he becomes yes, no longer intolerant. Definitely, and uh, you know, good for him. Okay, Joey, what's next on Affable Chat? Next, we're doing an off-script episode, just you and I. You and me, just chatting it up on Affable Chat. That's going to be great. Um, and so, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Don't forget, you can call us, like we said at the top of the episode, 833-600-2428. Yes, that's 833-600-CHAT. Call us anytime. We'll play it on the air. That's right. Subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify. That's right. Um, and wherever you get our podcasts, leave us a review. It really helps us grow. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at Affable Chat, same handle on both, or send us an email, affablechat at gmail.com. We also have a YouTube channel. Just search Affable Chat. It's called Affable Chat. That's right. So um, that's going to do it for this episode. For Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.